This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. This week in for Archbishop Alexander Sample is our Auxiliary Bishop, Peter Smith. I'm Dina Marie Hale, your host. And as we come together this week, we will reflect on the healing power of Jesus and the healing of from our hands and from the Lord's hands, how he heals us. Welcome back to the program, Bishop Smith. It's great to have you joining us. It's good to be with you, Dina Marie, and all the folks on the uh, Catholic Radio who are listening in or joining us via the live stream uh, on Monterey Radio. Thank you for supporting the radio and supporting this program. It's great to be with you all. I know the last couple of episodes we talked about uh, miracles. We were into the Easter season and we talked about some of those things we read about in the Acts of the Apostles. I thought we could look a little more deeper in the healing touch of Jesus and even what that means when we have laying on of hands or we have our hands extended in prayer and the healing that always comes from Christ. But give us a sense maybe when, as we look at this idea of the healing touch of Jesus, just in the scriptures, there's a lot of rich scriptures that really reflect upon healing and the power of touch. Yeah, if you go through the scriptures, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well, you see this fairly consistently, the power of God to break through and achieve a healing or a miracle or deliverance in some way for somebody um, that seems there's no other way to explain it. And when you look at it, there are all these different ways that this happens. Just with Jesus, every healing situation that he has seems to be a little different. So in some cases, he just tells people to do something and they get healed on the way. Other cases, people touch him. Other cases, he touches people or puts his hand on people. So you have all these different variations. And the laying on of hands is something that goes back to the very early church and the apostles and disciples, where they laid hands on them, you, you see that for the, the, the formal uh, anointing of people, or uh, we would say ordaining of deacons, and then also of priests with Paul and Timothy. So you have that, but then you also have all these other examples of people laying hands on folks and praying for them, and they're being healed, or they're being commissioned. So this is part of uh, part of the sort of healing ministry that began. And there's a spiritual element to it, but there's also a sort of human and a psychological element that, that touch that you, you know, when people sort of place their hand on your shoulder um, and pray for you, uh, or you, know, you have somebody, you take somebody's hand if they're in a hospital bed and you pray with them, that sense of somebody is there with you and for you as you're going through whatever it is you're going through. Uh, so those are all sort of parts of what happens. 
And healing can be as simple as somebody, you know, somebody saying, I'm praying for my uncle so-and-so in another city. So we pray that prayer to being with the person, laying hands with them, on them. There's a priest present anointing them with the, the oil of the infirm um, and in a much formal setting. But healing is very much part of the life of the church, the uh, of the early church, and continues down to this day. Absolutely. We're talking with Bishop Peter Smith on The Voice of the Shepherd this week, the healing touch of Jesus. And as you mentioned, there's so many scriptures that relate. And I even think about just the position of our hands, this gesture of worship, of prayer, that it is such a physical uh, part of how we conduct ourselves that leads into a more supernatural. But maybe just talk a little bit about, you mentioned the human, the spiritual, the supernatural, these all kind of come together as we worship, as we pray for one another, as we reach towards God. But there is something about the physical and the spiritual that seem to work together. Yeah, it's a complex uh, relationship between the two. And sometimes we have to understand that Prayer for healing, what we're focusing on is the spiritual component of it. But we're also asking God to step into these other components um, if that is his will and he chooses to do so. But we ask in faith for our part. It's like we don't know the bigger picture of what God is doing here. But often when I pray with people, I'll say, Lord, for our part, we ask that you bring full and complete physical, psychological, and emotional healing to this person. We entrust them to you, but this is how we pray for our part. And then it's up to the Lord what happens next. And there's no cause and effect with this. It's very interesting. Every time you think, okay, this is what God's going to do, he does something completely differently. So God is beyond, I mean, God is bigger than us and beyond any limitation we can place on him. I think when we start putting formulas and so on, this is how God's going to act. God's like, oh, yeah, I'll show you and do something completely different. That how do we explain this? You know, there are stories of people who couldn't be there and somebody, a family member comes. And this goes back to what Paul did in the scriptures. Take out a handkerchief. You pray over the handkerchief, go back and lay it on the person. And sometimes they get healed. You know, other, otherwise, other times you know, somebody comes in and just prays with them. And another thing to remember, too, is uh, God also works miracles through people who have been trained in the art of healing, doctors, nurses, healthcare professionals of all kinds. Now, God can work through that way, too, where you know, maybe you're struggling with something. Years and years ago, I knew a guy who was struggling with these, all these issues uh, in his body, it just seemed everything was falling apart. And he was just, so eventually he got sent to the Cleveland Clinic and he's in bed there and they're testing him. And he's been through so many tests, nobody can figure it out. And an endocrinologist walked in, looked at him and says, oh, you've got this problem, boom. And he, the guy said, he just sat lay there in the bed thinking, okay, what's gonna hurt now? It was exactly the problem. It was, a, it was a problem in his endocrine system. I mean, pituitary gland. And so they gave him the meds and things cleared up. So you can say, okay, that's a doctor healing the patient. But this, the man who was there was a man of deep faith. He was a deacon in the Catholic church. And he and his wife and friends had been praying for him for about three, four years to deal with all these things that he had. And 
his perspective was God put me in this position. So one of the very few people who could diagnose exactly what was going on could say, that's your problem. Here's the meds. And it took care of. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you have all that. And then that, another side of it is, and we see this often with people who come asking for either exorcisms or so on. So there's, you have to be sure what is the spiritual side of this and what is the, the physical or psychological side of it. Because we pray for the spiritual aspect, but if you don't take care of the other, then okay. So it's like somebody has diabetes. So we can give them medications to control their diabetes. But if they're still doing all these other behaviors that physically cause the diabetes, it's not going to help a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So you have to do the bo both of them together. And uh, now God can just say, okay, boom, you're healed. God does that. But we don't always experience that. And we have to understand that, that, that somehow in the greater picture of things, uh, this is what God intends here. Right. There's that beautiful story in the gospel, Bishop Smith, of the woman who has been suffering for so many years with hemorrhages. And it's only by touching her faith led her to just touch the little bit of the cloak of Jesus. And she had that faith that she would be healed. I mean, something about where is our faith when we are asking for healing, but where does that um, maybe give us some hope or maybe challenge us to where our faith is and to what we trust and how much we rely upon Jesus? Faith is very important uh, because if our hearts aren't open to the Lord, uh, then the Lord's not gonna overwhelm our freedom. So having faith is important, but it's not that you have to have a, I have to get to 95% of 100% of faith before I can be healed. That's not the case because there are people with very deep faith who don't get the physical or whatever healing that they have, at least from the perspective that they're asking for it. So there's that that's in play. Then another thing that happens is that you have people who appear to have no faith or very little faith who get healed. Now the woman who touches the, the Jesus, the hem of Jesus's garment, he knows. So she comes forward. He doesn't even see her. She comes forward and her heart and her disposition is such that God, the, the power of God goes out through Jesus and she's healed. So what that then does is that Jesus turns around, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what are you talking about? People all around touching you all the time, brushing up against you. But he knows because he knows power has gone out of him. So on the one hand, you see that and praise God for what happened to that woman. That was just wonderful. But then you see the, the four guys who bring their friend who's the paralytic on the stretcher and they lower him down. And Jesus heals the guy in the stretcher. But he doesn't say it's because of your faith that you're, that you're healed. Jesus looks up and he's saying what Jesus sees is the the concern the love the friendship the affection of it of the friends of this man and it's on their faith that he heals them. Mm -hmm. you know so so what he sees there so people who who may, we we don't know how much faith they have if any at all and jesus can still heal them uh, because of others praying for them and you know we do that all the time 
you know, we have people, we have relatives and friends who are sick and we will pray for them, for God to heal them, even though they may not be Catholics or even Christians. It's a nice, if that, when that does happen and they get healed, it's a nice way to blow all the stereotypes that people have. But it's just, it's, you look at the scriptures. And again, like the, the 10 lepers. So the 10 lepers approach Jesus. And he doesn't say, you're healed. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. So there's no mention of healing. It's when they act and do what Jesus says. In the action, in the process of doing that, they, their leprosy is cleansed. And one comes back, the Samaritan. Now, what Jesus says with him doesn't condemn the others. You know, in a culture and society like that where family and community was everything, it's like these guys, for whatever reason, and it wasn't just leprosy. When they talk about leprosy, it's any kind of skin affliction. So some of them could have had eczema or psoriasis or something. I mean, who knows? So what Jesus has effectively done is given them their life back because they can now be with their families and their loved ones and so on. But the Samaritan comes back and he says to him, go, your faith has saved you. So they all get healing but only one uh, is in a sense gets salvation. Mm -hmm. so there's all these interesting things go, that, that go on in this, in all of this. And then there's the man that Jesus says, your sins are forgiven and all the Pharisees get wound up about the whole thing. And he's, then he says that you may believe that the son of man has the power to forgive sins. I say to you, take uh, rise, take up your mat and walk. So there you see a healing that is, signifying not only the healing, but something else and connecting to something else. So there's all these different ways. And in one sense, it can be frustrating to us, but in another sense, it should be very, very encouraging and hopeful to us that God will work in whatever way he needs to work in this situation to bring about the good that he seeks. Mm -hmm. I know we read so often in the gospels as well, and in the old Testament and the new Testament about the blessing and the laying of an, on of hands. We hear about Jesus blessing the children, touching them. There's, there's this idea of that physical touch in just not necessarily a healing, but in a blessing, in a comfort. And then we just see the priest in throughout the mass. There are different gestures that we have of the priest's hands, but talk a little bit about just the blessing um, from a priest, whether it's a father blessing his own child or a priest blessing blessing his people at a mass or, or a couple for their anniversary, you know, this power of our hands in the form of a blessing. Yeah. So the, the priest gives a blessing, which is a formal blessing that he's empowered to give by virtue of his ordination. The parents bless their children. Parents can bless their children at night. Uh, a friend of mine, what he, what he would do with his five kids is every night he'd go into the rooms and, and their little kids and he would kiss them and bless them um, because and what he would what he was trying to do was to show them that not only did he and his wife love them, but God loved them, too. So as parents, you have the ability to bless somebody. What do we do? And it would, not so much these days, but people will come and say when they when a young man wanted to marry a woman, you go to the family and say, can I have your blessing? Mm -hmm. uh, marry your daughter. So we, we have these different notions of blessing. 
The priest gives a formal blessing, obviously at masses and in the, the, uh, the exercise of the different sacraments and also in sacramentals as well. But then we also get asked to give blessings in uh, a variety of other situations. I just came back. Uh, I was in, in Providence, Rhode Island at a conference this weekend. And, and we also see this uh, from uh, different ethnic groups after mass. People will come up. Can I have your blessing, Bishop? Can I have your blessing, Father? And, okay, uh, is there anything specific you want me to pray for? No, I just want God's blessing. Mm-hmm. And it's, so you have all the, all these different variations and all of this and the hand gestures and the, um, the, the sign of the sign of the cross, but is obviously very much part of our Catholic faith. But often in those situations, I'll just very gently touch people on the top of their head and pray the blessing or the children and do it that way. Right. It's um, just as a way of connection, a, a way of people sensing you know, God touching them and our invocation of God to touch them. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just this power in the community. I mean, there is this sense with physical touch and blessing and healing that it's not just me and Jesus again, but there is a communal or a communion that's kind of signified or maybe some symbolic of this power of touch or the desire of touch blessing uh, that we do bless one another. That's part of how we live our lives as Christians. Yeah, t- as human beings, it's, touch is important. You know, just you, you can find, have somebody sit lying in a hospital bed, um, non-responsive, that you can take their hand and hold their hand. And sometimes, you know, when I'm in those situations, I speak to people as if they're they can hear and under, understand. Because the last thing that goes in those situations is hearing. Sometimes I'll speak to them, and and I can feel them uh, squeeze my hand at different points. Mm-hmm. You know, so. So it's just the sense of even though we're all ourselves and not other people, what we're going through, particularly in difficult times, it's or even good times, having somebody with you, somebody in that sense of touch makes it, it makes it clear in a very real way that somebody is with you in the midst of this. Right, right. Give us a sense, Bishop Smith, of the different sacraments. You mentioned the priest, whether it might be an anointing, it might be at a baptism where we've got the anointing of oil, we've got the um, the cross on the forehead of the child or the adult. Uh, it might be during a anointment of the sick, somebody who is in the hospital, but the use of our hands and anointing oil, that's that's such a beautiful ritual that we have and a sacrament in the church. Yeah, we have three kinds of oils that we use. We have sacred chrism that we use for for baptisms, confirmations, ordinations, and for the consecration of of the altar in a church and in the consecration of a church. If you've ever seen a new church being consecrated, what they do is the altar, they take all this chrism and smear it across the top of the altar, and then they put a big piece of plastic on it, and then they put the... uh, uh, the, the altar of uh, uh, cloths and coverings on it and celebrate the first mass. But it's meant to highlight that in the anointing with oil that you see in the Old Testament, when people were anointed at oil, oil as kings or as prophets. And in this case, this altar, it makes it a sacred space because here on this place, on this altar, is where the Holy Spirit transforms the bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus. So we, we have chrism that we use for that. 
as I said, we use it in baptisms and confirmations. When, it, when I confirm, I use the chrism and uh, ordinations of uh, priests and also particularly in priests, the hands are smeared with chrism and in bishops, they pour it all over your head, <laughs> which can lead to some very interesting and funny situations. Like, uh, that's like the, 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 the Old Testament, the, the oil running down the, the, the beard of Aaron and into uh, his head of Aaron and into his beard and so on. So sometimes those situations happen. Then we have the oil of the catechumens that we use at both in baptism and also as part of the RCA process. And then finally, the oil of the sick, which is used for the anointing of the sick uh, in whatever situation that, that is needed. And those are all blessed at the chrism mass. Each year, the bishop or archbishop uh, will bless those oils at the chrism mass for the year. And then we send it out to the different parishes and places that would use it. But oil is very much part of, again, you see it going back to the Old Testament. You see it in the scriptures again and again that the power of blessed oil and what it signifies. Right. I know in the um, month of August, we'll have some special healing masses. There's different healing services. We've talked a little bit in the past, Bishop Smith, about just this opportunity of maybe prayer teams coming together, laying on of hands, again, praying for people individually, but maybe share a little bit about that experience. When we come to a gathering, maybe it's hosted at our church uh, where we do have a prayer team. Um, I've been to a few where the priest will take the monstrance for time of adoration and walk around around that community, and you have that intimate connection with Christ there in the Blessed Sacrament, maybe the monstrance is right in front of you uh, for a blessing. But maybe those opportunities people can take take advantage of for these, these times of healing and prayer together as community. Yeah, uh, there are all kinds of opportunities. And also, I mean, you think of the sacraments, uh, the Sacrament of Reconciliation is a huge opportunity for healing because there's spiritual healing that happens when we confess our sins and receive the absolution. And there may be other forms of healing as well that happen through the penance or through other prayers that may happen in those moments. The anointing of the sick uh, where we, we pray, we used to see it as last rites because it was like, okay, we're about to go from this, this life to the next. But now we use those oils and anoint people and where there's a, a grave illness of some of, of body, man, uh, body, mind, or, or spirit in those situations. So that brings healing. So we have that there. Um, you see little things where, where we look at for healing and I think the RCA uh, process, where you go through where you anoint people. Um, the mass itself, there's all these different elements for healing in the mass. If you think about it, you come in and we do a penitential rite at the beginning. So right there, you have spiritual healing going on. And obviously that doesn't apply to grave sin or what we used to call mortal sin, but it applies to venial sin. And that's why there should be a gap between when the priest says, you know, praise the prayer uh, in order to prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries, let us call to mind our sins. Uh, and so you, there should be a gap so I can think that Okay, Lord, forgive me for, for thinking very evil thoughts of the guy who cut me off on traffic on the way to church today. Now, things like that. And then there's, a, there's an absolution that comes afterwards. So we do, we do either the I confess 
right there. I'm confessing my sins. Well, the Lord have mercy, and there's an absolution at the end of it. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. So you have the absolution there. And then as you go through the, 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 uh, the Mass itself, Scripture, Scripture is a way that God can heal us. You get into the prayers of the faithful where you can put yourself in those prayers. So I'm suffering from, uh, say, depression, and there's a prayer in there uh, for all those who suffer from depression. I say, yes, Lord, you know, heal me from depression. And as you go through the Mass, receiving of the, of the Blessed Sacrament can also bring healing. And I encourage people, if you go up, when you receive Blessed Sacrament, if you're properly disposed, ask the Lord for what you need at that moment from him. So you will receive the Lord, and we can ask the Lord for a particular blessing at that moment. So there are plenty of places uh, that we see in, in, in the Eucharist itself, uh, and in the other sacraments where, where we have these different aspects of healing uh, that we can can look look to and cling back uh, and seek God's healing for. Right. And just in some of the prayers as well, you know, where, where we pray for that the Our Father, you know, not to be led, we not be led into temptation that we be delivered from evil, and the evil may be. Uh, it may be spiritual, but it might also be physical. I have a particular disease that's it's going to end my life. And so we're asking, Lord, help us at that moment. And then the gifts, you, we place the gifts on the altar, and we place ourselves in those gifts. We ask God by the power of the Holy Spirit to transform them. We can ask God to transform ourselves. So look at the Mass, not only as an act of worship of God, but also in the healing God offers us. Right. Healing is always available for us through the power of Jesus Christ. Bishop Smith with us today on The Voice of the Shepherd. And Bishop, it's always great to reflect. And I think during the summertime, it's really important kind of take a, a new look at the beauty of the Mass, the beauty of the Eucharist, that we just take some time to reflect and really invite the Lord into our lives, particularly for healing. And with that, would you please help us close with your blessing? Of course, we're going to ask for your blessing as we close today. Certainly. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for all the blessings you pour into our lives. And especially, Lord, we thank you for the blessings of healing that you bring us. Lord, we ask you to bless us in body, mind, soul, and spirit. Heal us of anything that may not be of you. And all that is of you, we ask you to strengthen it by the power of your spirit. And we ask this all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mary, untire of knots, pray for us. Pray for us and pray for us. Thank you all for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith this week, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. 
Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.